Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Lord God, as we come to your word in this season of Epiphany, uh, we pray uh, that you would speak to us, as our colleague said this morning, that you meet us in your word and in your sacraments. And I pray that you would fulfill that uh, by your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Welcome to St. Bart's. My name is Chris Myers. Um, my friend Gavin is here today. He read the gospel for us. Um, he's a church planter in Arlington. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, we were ordained together. We worked at All Saints Dallas for a while together. So it's great to have him. Say hello to him after the service uh, if you get a chance. Uh, Dave is in Canada. So that's a brave thing to do this weekend. Um, we'll see if he gets back. Uh, pray for him. I think there's some travel complications in flying back uh, from New Brunswick. So uh, we are in the season of Epiphany, and last week we looked at the baptism of Jesus. What is the season of Epiphany? Um, it's the ongoing unveiling of the person and mission of Jesus, who he is and what he's come to do. Um, and that that mission and, and who he is is not just for the people of Israel, but that it's for the whole world. And that's why the, the three wise men are the picture of the season of Epiphany, because they're the first uh, Gentiles to come and to recognize that this person and his mission will truly change the world. And last week we looked at the baptism of Jesus, which is an, a moment of Epiphany because it's the moment of anointing, when the Spirit comes upon Jesus like a dove, He's anointed as the Messiah, the true heir of David who will save the people of Israel. But more than that, it's a, a moment of Trinitarian unveiling because the Father is there declaring his love for his Son. The Spirit descends on the Son. You have all three persons of the Trinity present. That's the great epiphany because the Father declares his love for the Son. It gives us a picture, a hint of what will unfold in the New Testament and the church's understanding that God is love because he is a relationship of three persons. So when God the Father says to the Son, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased, there's so much going on in that declaration. And we can take that declaration as a declaration over us because to be in Christ means that that declaration becomes something about us that his belovedness is our belovedness. So that's what Epiphany teaches us. It's who is Jesus and what has he come to do? And we're going to see that further um, in our passage today. I had a hard time picking which passage to preach this morning. <laughs> um, 
This is what I would call an embarrassment of riches. Because you get 1 Samuel 3, which is one of the great, beautiful stories of the Old Testament. You get Psalm 63, which is just one of the greatest psalms, in my opinion. And then you have this passage from John. But my decision was made for me uh, because this passage in particular from John um, is foundational in actually the naming of this church, St. Bartholomew's. You're like, well, I don't see Bartholomew in this passage. Au contraire. Because Nathaniel, the church tells us, the tradition teaches, is Bartholomew. Because Bartholomew means son of Ptolemy. So that's not his name. It's, that's his family. So who is this guy? Well, the church tells us it's Nathaniel Bartholomew. Nathaniel, son of Ptolemy. And we see in how Nathaniel responds to Jesus in the early days when we were saying, well, what do we want this church to be? Now, there's a practical reason to be St. Bartholomew's. It's easy to get a website because it's not the most popular name. But there's a deep reason for it, too. And I've made this uh, statement before. An alternative name for our church could be the Church of the Epiphany. I, I would like that name, too. Because it's the idea in our mission statement, Behold and Become, is about what Epiphany is. That is, God shows us who he is and what he's like and his character, and we behold that, it transforms us, and it invites us into this dance of reciprocity and love. And Nathaniel experiences that. Bartholomew experiences that in this passage. So that's what I want to look at today. He experiences the epiphany of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. And because I'm invoking the name of our church and our mission statement, I'm actually going to use a couple of our values to look at the passage today. So in the back of our uh, bulletin, you can see our values um, on page 11. So I'm going to talk about a couple of those today. And I want to start by talking about the value of authenticity. What's going on in this passage? We have a bunch of different characters we have this character, Philip, who's been called by Jesus to come and follow him. And what does Philip immediately do? He goes and seeks out Nathaniel to tell him some amazing news. And when we first meet Nathaniel, you can infer from the text that we know something about him. Because Philip is so excited to share this news, we know something about Nathaniel. What we know is that he was after something, that he was searching for someone, and I think the text tells us that he was searching for the someone, the one promised by Moses and the prophets. That's what Nathaniel said. We have found him. We found him. You have to hear the excitement in his voice. This one we've been waiting for. We found him, the one Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. But then there's the punchline. Well, who is this guy? Jesus of Nazareth. Ah, Nazareth. Nathaniel doesn't like that part. But we know that Nathaniel was seeking and looking for someone. And the other dynamic that's going on in this passage that will unfold is that before Nathaniel's own seeking, his own seeing of Jesus, we know that Jesus saw him. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So when we talk about behold and become, it's important to remember that we are beheld before we ever behold. That God is seeking us before we seek him. And to me, that is the true basis of the value of authenticity. Because authenticity can easily be reduced to a buzzword. Oh, that's, of course that's one of your values. We all like authenticity. But if we begin with God, 
the fact that he knows us and he seeks us, that he knows us to the depths of us and yet still loves us, then there's no pretense. We don't have to hide. We can come to the Lord in an authentic way because he has sought us without any pretense of knowing that we're so great. We're not. But he still loves us. And that's what's so funny and also great about Nathaniel's uh, comeback. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's not convinced. Nathaniel has a kind of authenticity in spades. The way that Jesus says it is that he is a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. That's a great statement of authenticity. You are a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. The older translations say he has no guile. This is a true Israelite in whom there is no guile. I like that word. We should bring it back. What does guile mean? It means he does If you have guile, it means you're always playing an angle. You always have a strategy. But Nathaniel's not like that. He's guileless. What you see is what you get. He's authentic. That, for us, was tied up with the name of the church because we want this to be a place where we can say things like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And it'd be okay. Because what we see in Jesus' response to Nathaniel is not like, hey, I'm from Nazareth. What's your problem with Nazareth? He doesn't pick a fight. He invites him into a deeper level of reflection and understanding. And what shifts Nathaniel out of his mode of questioning to a posture of reception is Jesus' simple statement, I saw you. I saw you. I don't know what's going on with the fig tree. You can read reams and reams of stuff about the fig tree. Some people think it's uh, that prophecy about how everyone will have their own fig tree, like as to be a true Israelite means you have got your own fig tree. And if you've seen Hamilton, there's a big thing about the fig tree with George Washington. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Whether we understand what the fig tree is going on or not, it's really about Jesus saying, I saw you. I know you. I saw you. The Gospel of John throughout draws together the idea of seeing and knowing, or seeing and believing. The Gospel of John is so much about signs. Jesus reveals who he is through signs. And when he shows who he is, we have the chance to respond. And we see Nathaniel responding with faith. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. This is the Gospel of John in microcosm. Every time Jesus shows who he is, people either respond in faith or they reject him. So we have the Samaritan woman. She responds in faith. We have Nathaniel. He responds in faith. Jesus reveals a little of himself to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel says yes, and then it keeps going and going and going and deepening and deepening and deepening. And authenticity makes the possibility of depth uh, possible. Because death is not possible without authenticity. We have to get to that place of no guile, of no pretense. That's why we pray the colic for purity every week. <laughs> Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. All, all desires known. No secrets hid. Okay? I'm, not coming, I'm coming before you open. Because if, <clears throat> if I'm trying to hide something from you, that's a kind of pretense. You already know. So what's the use? Why not be honest? Why not confess? 
So the name St. Bartholomew and Nathaniel's response, I think, is tied to this value of authenticity. I also think it's tied to our value of rootedness. And I think that the value of authenticity and rootedness go together. Authenticity, I think, is necessary for change, but I don't know that it is sufficient for it. I mean, there is a sense in which you can be authentic but stay the same forever. <laughs> Just be the same authentic person over and over again and not change. Um, and it's the beholding and becoming that's important, that we're being transformed in the image of likeness of Christ. So without rootedness, without a move towards depth, we can get stuck. And rootedness makes depth possible. It's a literal image of depth. The roots going deep down into the soil that pull more nourishment out of the ground and that can survive storms, that can survive um, adversity. Depth makes that possible. And what I would say is that the world um, needs depth. We have a lot of breadth of knowledge. We have instant access to the breadth of human knowledge. But that doesn't mean that we have access to the depth of human knowledge <laughs> and wisdom. And what Jesus invites his followers into is to that depth, which is what Philip says to Nathaniel. Hey, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, come and see. Come and see is an invitation into, I don't have an easy answer for you, but I have a path for you to walk where you can find out the answer to your question and experience it. That's what we have to offer the world. Come and see. I don't have the answer. I'm not the answer, but I know the one who is. Come and see. Come and see. Again, you have that vision of sight. And what we have here in, in this passage is Jesus is calling his disciples and he's knitting them together into this community that's a picture of what he's going to do by his spirit with the church. And that's a root system that's tied together. The roots grow together, which makes depth, even more depth and even more fruitfulness possible. There's two things going on in this passage. There's, there's a sense of the individual, Jesus encountering Nathaniel wholly as an individual, and then there's also the sense of community or the collective and the, the way that those two things play off of each other. And the big danger that happens in human societies is that we swing so hard to one side or the other that we swing so hard to individualism that we're just these little atoms and it's me and my authenticity and I'm all alone and I don't need community. Or we swing to collectivism and there's no, there's no individual, um, there's no sense of the individual. What I see in, in the Bible and the New Testament in particular is that there's a dynamic dance between the individual and the community. Philip, as an individual, goes to his friend Nathaniel and says, come and see. They both have to respond as individuals, but then the Spirit knits them together in a community that makes their more depth possible. One reason I'm bringing this up is uh, we're going to be doing this Deeply Foreign Life uh, book together, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be preaching um, some of the themes out of that. But just kind of as a preview, one of the opening images in the book is the image of the redwood trees that, um, I don't know if, if you've read that part yet, but it's, it's a striking image because what he learns, the author learns, um, is that the redwood trees, these beautiful, mighty trees, is that their roots are intertangled and that the growth of the individual tree is possible because of the, 
the richness of the root system. So the more of the collective root system is makes the individual growth more possible, and there's depth uh, that's possible before that because of that. This is true of aspen trees as well, if you've ever seen aspen trees, is that their roots grow together. Are they individual trees? Yes. But are they part of an of a intricately woven system that makes gr- growth possible? Yes, both are true. And this is exactly what we saw last week in baptism and exactly what we will see next week in confirmation. We are baptized as individuals, we are confirmed as individuals, but we are baptized into a body, into a community. We are confirmed into a body, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That's a community. It's not either I'm an individual or I'm a collective. It's the wovenness of that together. And that's what Nathaniel is experiencing because Jesus encounters him truly as he is as an individual. It's not a generic statement for him to say, I saw you under the fig tree. It was actually Nathaniel under the fig tree. And that's that moment of connection that he's able to resonate with because Jesus meets him as an individual. But the only reason that Nathaniel is standing in front of Jesus is because Philip said, come and see. It's the only reason he's there. We need each other. If we want to go deep, if we want to grow together, if we want to be rooted, we need each other. And that's a scary proposition, I know. But we'll end up maybe a tree that will shoot up quickly with growth and have no roots, <laughs> and will just fall over. I saw that in my neighborhood this week. There was this tree that fell over a street, covered the entire street. Just because it got so cold, this tree couldn't handle it. Because summer was so dry, its roots weren't strong, it just fell right over. And if we're not inter- intertwined with each other, then that can happen to us as well. So we have a picture in this passage of authenticity. We have a picture in this passage of rootedness. But I want to come back to this idea of seeing because that's what's wrapped up in what we think God's called us to be as a community, a community that beholds and becomes. There's so much about seeing in this passage, and I've, I've hinted at it a lot or said it a lot. Come and see. Jesus says, I saw you. And then the conclusion of the passage is Jesus' promise, you will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than these. I was tempted to use the King James Version this week <laughs> because it's, it's, it brings out something that we lose in, in some of our newer translations. Because in the King James, when Jesus is talking to Nathaniel, he says, thou which is an intimate face-to-face singular, singular you. You may have heard the phrase an I-thou relationship. It's about interchange of persons. But in the King James, this verse says you will see, which would indicate that this is plural, and it is. Jesus is taking the statement, this experience of Nathaniel, and he's universalizing it. It's not just about Nathaniel seeing something greater. It's about all who would believe, all who would come and see. You will see. Y'all will see. That's the Texas translation. All of y'all will see. That's how Jesus would say it. 
if he were being missional to Texans. And what is it that you will see? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What's going on here? Jesus is drawing on this story in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of Genesis, when Jacob is running away from his family. He's stolen the blessing from Esau. He thinks he's going to get murdered in his sleep, so he better get out of there. He's sleeping in the middle of a field on a rock, and he has a dream. And he sees the heavens open, and there's a ladder between heaven and earth, and angels ascending and descending on it. And Jesus says, I am that ladder. That's what you're going to see. That's the epiphany. And what's so fascinating about why he says this to Nathaniel is he's sort of, he's sort of seeded the idea already with him. Because what he says to Nathaniel is, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Jacob's meant, name meant deceit. <laughs> Jacob's name meant guile. He was the one who stro- strove. He grabbed his brother's heel. He t- stole the blessing. What has to happen for Jacob? His name has to change, right? He has to get a new identity. He wrestles with God in the dark and says, I will not let go of you until you bless me. And what is the blessing? A new name. And what is that name? Israel. So when Jesus says to Nathaniel, you are a true Israelite. You are a true Israelite. One who strives with God and man and yet prevails. That's what the name means. You are the true inheritor, and us, by extension, are the true inheritor of what Jacob only dreamed. That there could be a connection between heaven and earth. That there could be a ladder between heaven and earth. And Jesus says, I am that ladder. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In the season of Advent, from the past, there was a passage in Isaiah that we read. I think it was the first Sunday of Advent. And Isaiah cries out and asks God, he says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. We need a connection point between heaven and earth. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And last week in baptism, from the Gospel of Mark, Mark tells us that when Jesus was baptized, that the heavens were opened. Actually, it's a lot more violent than that. He uses the verb schismato, like torn apart. The heavens are torn apart. The voice comes down. And here Jesus says it again. Heaven is open. And there is a way. There is a connection point between heaven and earth. Angels of God ascending and descending on whom? The Son of Man. That's who Jesus is. That's part of the epiphany in this passage the truly human one. He is the Son of Man. He is that connection between, point between God and man. He is what makes all epiphany possible. He is the one who can do for us what he did for Nathaniel. Invite us in deeper. Invite us into that relationship of authentic reciprocity. Invite us into a community where rootedness is possible. And that's why we gather together every week and do the things that Jesus has given us to do because those are the things that he's promised to use to deepen us.
And that's what we prayed in the collect, his word, the sacraments. Just the basic blocking and tackling of the Christian life. (laughs) Doing the things that Jesus told us to do and believing what he promised, that he said he would speak to us through his word, his living and active word. He said that he would be made known to us in the breaking of the bread. This is a place, it's not the only place, but it's the primary place where he knits us together, where rootedness can take place, where the roots actually get some nourishment so that the trees can keep growing up together in love. That's why we named the church St. Bartholomew, because this is our guy, Nathaniel. His way of interacting, I think, is a picture, a hopeful picture of a way that we can approach God. Knowing that God is always seeking us, we seek after him. Knowing that he knows us, we can be authentic with him. Knowing that he's promised to give us these good things, that we can grow down deeper and deeper. As I look to the, to the year ahead, whether it's an election year or not, this is true. We need people of depth. The world needs deep people. Not shallow people. Not with people with a lot of breadth. You know, what's the old saying? Inch deep and a mile wide. <laughs> we need a mile deep and an inch wide. And that's the path that Jesus offers us, the path of epiphany. Not as a one-time event, but as an ongoing reciprocal relationship where he continues to make himself known to us. And we continue to make him known to the world. What's our job? Philip, that's our job. Come and see. That's all Jesus has asked us to do, is to go to others and say, come and see. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you the way that you've used it um, in the formation of the identity and the values of this church. And I pray, Lord, that we would be like Nathaniel, that we would not be people of guile, and that when you make yourself known to us, we would respond in faith. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Lord, we want you to do what you said you would do in this passage, which is that you would open the heavens and that we would see angels ascending and descending on you, the Son of Man. As we look to you, as we meet you in the breaking of the bread, make yourself known to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.